Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Hope everyone's doing well today. Um, no Michelle in today. She's off busy with her paycheck job. I don't know why she would put that as a priority, but she's not here with us today. Uh, but hello to Rodney back on the board. Um, you going to say something, Rodney? Hello, I will say something today. How are you, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, while Michelle's away, you come out to play. All right, here we go. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, um, so some quick announcements. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, the Department of Small and Local Business Development, and the Department of Community and Housing Development. It is their grant dollars to us, as well as other Main Street programs that help us uh, produce this show and um, allows us to provide assistance to small business owners up and down the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street corridor. So big thank you to DSLBD and DHCD. Um, it, it is uh, spring in, or, or late winter, early spring in D.C., which means it's budget season for the upcoming fiscal year. And um, that means budget oversight hearings. Uh, those are going on now. And uh, if you as a citizen uh, um, have an interest in or a business owner, uh, have an interest in um, some feedback for the various government agencies that uh, you interact with, uh, the budget oversight hearing season is your time to do that, and it's it's one of the the roles, rights, and responsibilities of being a, a taxpayer in the D.C. area. Uh, check out dccouncil.us for the full calendar of oversight hearings, um, and and be sure and give feedback on the agencies that you interact with. It really helps, um, you know, Good feedback, negative feedback, it really helps to improve services in the District of Columbia. Uh, and we are not going to hear from Good Food Market today. They just had a delivery come in, of course, right as we're uh, getting ready to go on air. So uh, we'll have Casey and Good Food Markets um, back on the next episode. Uh, what else do we have in the way of announcements? Oh, uh, Porch Fest is going to be happening again. We're deep in the throes of planning for that. Uh, the day is April 13th uh, from 2 to 6 p.m. at uh, Porches up and down the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street Corridor. We, by porches, we mean in front of businesses, and there's a few residential porches. But um, it's always a good time, always lots of great music. Uh, so plan on joining us uh, for Porch Fest 2019 on Saturday, April 13th from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. All right, and you can check out our website, riamainstreet.org, uh, as well as our Facebook page, social media, up and down the social media uh, spectrum. We're on there. You can find out more about Porch Fest on all of those. Okay? Um, and I, I'm, I want to dive right in. We've got um, somebody that I've been uh, interested in talking to on the show for quite a while, um, so I am uh, very pleased to welcome to the show today, uh, Paul Rupert. Paul, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for making time. Uh, Paul, you, uh, according to your Twitter profile, uh, you are building community through art, food, books, drinks, and real estate. 
So, or at least trying to. <laughs> so what are you doing all your free time? Right. <laughs> uh, no free time. Uh, that, is, that is quite the thing. You're, in, you're a, a native Washingtonian, so you've been busy uh, in the D.C. economy, uh, it sounds like, from the time you were a little kid. Certainly, you know, grew up here in my family. Both sides of my families have been involved in small businesses for generations, going back to real estate, hardware, printing, um, so it's, you know, in my blood, and it's something when I graduated from college in the late 80s that seemed a natural uh, uh, path for me to follow. You are uh, well-known uh, most recently for um, some of your ventures like Slim's Diner, Rupture Books, Petworth Citizen, um, uh, Crane and Turtle, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Um, what, uh, what, what, I, I can't ask you what your favorite of your <laughs> businesses is, but, um, you, you obviously have a varied interest. Um, what, uh, what, what has from day one, what sparked your interest in, in being involved in the entrepreneurial community? Well, I think for me, it's, it's really this great opportunity that being an entrepreneur and working with um, a lot of folks in order to m- realize a dream that we all have in creating a business. There's this great energy. There's a great um, uh, a feeling of teamwork, of working together, of developing a vision and then executing on that vision. It, there's also a piece which is important to me, which is a, a com- connection to community and uh, being able to provide. The goal is at least to provide a space that is a response to a need in the community whether that community is um, on that street or in that uh, geographic neighborhood or whether it's uh, more broadly based. For instance, Upshur Street Books, which is now becoming loyalty books, that draws customers from the neighborhood but also from people all all over the city for our our events, for instance. And you've obviously seen quite quite a few... uh, Roller coaster trends in in DC um, in the small business community. Um, it seems like a, a pretty exciting time to to be starting a business in DC, and it, not scary too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It has it's all the all those emotions. It, it's a great time to be a, an entrepreneur and a business owner in Washington. Um, the city is really changing, but it's also holding on to its history and on to its um, people who have been here for a long time. And that's what I love about Washington is that um, while we have seen a significant influx of newcomers over the last decade, there's also lots of people who have been here for generations. And, you know, the neighborhood of Petworth is a great example. We have uh, lots of people, lots of new homeowners there, but also people who have been there for 50, 60, 70 years and have a, a sense of the history of the neighborhood and, and what was there before. So what are some trends that that you think uh, are coming down the pike? What, what has got your interest for the next two to five years? Well, recently the trends, um, what I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm interested about is this, uh, the notion of the neighborhood restaurant. So what we've seen in the past, I would say, five years or so is an expansion into the neighborhoods of higher quality restaurants. And we see that both in Petworth, but also Columbia Heights. We see that, you know, here on Rhode Island Avenue. 
Um, and so I think that that's, that's been going on for the past few years. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that continues to develop. There's, uh, th that's an exciting trend, but it's also there are deep challenges with that. One of the challenges that's most evident is a question of um, capacity and, and whether there's enough support for multiple restaurants in, in a neighborhood or whether there's just support for a few. So I think that's something to, to be on the lookout for. I also think that, you know, taking into consideration the deep competition that the Internet provides, it's really trying to figure out w how we're providing an alternate to that, and an alternate either in experience or community building or connections, that sort of thing. So small businesses um, really need to find a way and a path forward that responds to the current, you know, economic uh, situation out there. We were talking a little bit before uh, the show started about um, about that impact of of the internet and uh, what what a what a business model looks like that involves multiple <coughs> multiple streams. You know, we talked about a bookstore needing additional revenue That's whether right. it's a uh, card and gift sales or a bar <laughs> or co coffee or whatever the case may be uh, and one of the things that we always talk about when we're talking about helping um, our small business owners is that um, people really want an experience customers want an experience in a way that they they can't get an experience say from ordering from amazon that's exactly right. I think that experience piece and connected to that is is connection, so connecting to a human who shares some kind of interest or history or something with you. You know, we see this really in, in our, our bookstore, but also in, in other new bookstores that have opened in the city. There have been several that have opened in the past couple of years that our customers, it's easier and cheaper for them to order on Amazon. Uh, they can order something and in their bathrobe and two days later it'll be at their front door. The reason they come to bookstores is to connect with the staff who is has a deep knowledge ideally of, of what is going on in the literary world and can make recommendations. Um, not only that, but can have conversations. We'll have customers come into the bookstore who will spend a good hour there just chatting about uh, the bestseller list or what's coming up. Um, and you know they might not buy anything, or they might buy a card, or they might buy a, a book. So, that 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 connection piece is really critical, I think. Uh, I've I've seen you um, at at a bunch of events lately because you're all over the place and busy doing a lot of things. Um, and most recently, uh, you were on a, a discussion panel uh, at Tastemakers about uh, um, new new restaurant restaurateurs coming yes. in mm -hmm. and uh, you obviously have a lot of experience in the restaurant industry um, as as we're looking at um, a very a very hot restaurant market in DC that doesn't seem to be going away anytime That's soon right. <laughs> yeah. uh, it also seems like it's increasingly competitive when when you think about well you know rents are going up um, and um, Utilities certainly aren't getting any cheaper, and I think the D.C. diner's palate has um, gotten more uh, 
what's a good word for this? I, I don't necessarily want to say refined, but uh, more selective mm-hmm. um, yeah. in going out. Um, you, I think it's also be, it, it's become a broader palette. Yes. So yes. that they're the DC diners, and you know, this is true about everywhere around the world. They're much more knowledgeable about different cuisines and much more interested in trying out those different cuisines. Right, and and as we were discussing, you know, it, other cuisines have really flourished here in the area. It's no longer just the right. the, the pizza Italian um, and you know family diner kind of That's thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, w- you have given some some great advice on some of the panels that I've seen. Uh, you've given some great advice to to rest budding restaurateurs, mm-hmm. um, including and not limited to have a business plan. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we, I feel like that's a very basic thing. Yeah, I think that um, it's very exciting to start your own business, and I think that there are a number of steps to, that you need to take or should take in order to be to give you or yourself every opportunity to be successful. Obviously, a business plan is an important part of that. Also important is getting experience. When I Before I opened my first restaurant I worked in maybe six or seven different restaurants and I I just worked there for short periods of time you know uh, a couple of months uh, in order to see how different people ran those restaurants Um, and I took that experience and I took you know advice that's the other piece that I think is important is trying to talk to as many people as possible Uh, obviously Kyle and Rodan Avenue Main Streets and other Main Streets around the 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 city are, are great resources for that. Uh, another resource is uh, CNHED, which is the Coalition for Nonprofit Housing and Economic Development. They have mm-hmm. a, uh, I think it's a weekly email that lists all of the um, events that are going on in the city that are focused on giving advice to entrepreneurs. And so that's a, an email list that I highly recommend that people get on. And then I think also it's it's finding out what else is going on in the market because we don't operate in a vacuum and we need to know what else is going on. So I, the other piece that I often recommend is the Washington Business Journal because they do a great job of, of um, documenting what's happening in the retail scene and in the broader uh, business scene. You know, they cover banks and government contracting and and the whole range of the economy in the Washington region and that's um, that's a great way in addition to you know smaller blogs and and uh, press outlets like city paper or Washingtonian I think the more you can educate yourself on the million and one issues that you will face as a as a as a business owner before you open the doors before you start spending significant money the better the better chance you will have at success. Yeah, education on that is everything, and it doesn't have to be. You don't. You don't have to have an MBA. You just have to not at all pay attention to what's going on around you and take advantage of the free workshops and and uh, and, and meeting spaces uh, for folks. Uh, and and I, you know the the same this this last uh, event that I got to hear you speak. Um, you know, there was a lot of discussion about how important it was for entrepreneurs to make sure that they have good connections with, um, you know, having an attorney and having access to a, a commercial real estate agent that 
is knowledgeable about, mm -hmm. about your business type. It's really important to build your team, and on that team would be you know people who can give you advice and, and support and services. So it can be, as you mentioned, an attorney or a real estate broker. It can be a finance person. It can be... Um, you know, it can an architect, an architect. So yeah. all those people and, and those people and on that team, it, it, it can be broadly defined. Right. So if, if, for instance, you know that there's a specific neighborhood that you want to be in on that team of advisors could be the person who runs, you know, the the again, the main streets there or the business association. Um, of course, the, the city provides all this support, but getting people getting people that are working together with you to to get you to the finish line is is critical and and I would add to that while not impossible it is um, really helpful to have a close partner that you're working with someone who shares your vision I think that's um, in almost every business that I've seen succeed I've seen that close partnership be a part of it from from the beginning and that's a that's a very good point, uh, and and you did talk uh, a bit about that at the at the, at the tastemakers event. Uh, that it's it's not just about um, having someone there to help share the burden, but it's you know everybody's got a different angle um, on on how they they how they work, um, what their interests are. You may have a, a, a combined interest in opening business X. But, you know, maybe one of you is, is better at the, the building concepts and, and interior design and or, you know, menu. And the other is really, really about crunching the numbers. And if you, in that relationship, you can have it be an open relationship in, the, in, in regards to ideas. That's what I found to be really helpful and successful is that there's no, uh, there's no bad idea. It's just a, you know... For me, I, I work really well when I'm spitballing ideas, thinking out loud with people, getting you know, seeing what people's responses are. Um, you know, that's that really you know, I have a million ideas. Half of them are terrible, and half of them I think are good. <laughs> and uh, it's a question of how do you how do you get rid of the terrible ones and move forward on the good ideas. And it seems uh, in in our discussion about. Uh, building out your team it seems like it's much more complicated to open a business than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or maybe that's ignorance on my part but it seems like um you know a couple of decades ago when you wanted to open a business um you opened the door and put your sign out and it either it just it worked or it didn't and it maybe there wasn't as much of a financial risk i don't i don't know it just feels like it's more complex i think that's true i think it's changed a lot over the years it's it's changed but of course it's also the, very much the same i think that um there are costs to doing business now that that were much lower in in the past you know we can look at payroll we can look at insurance uh, we can look at rental rates. So those costs have risen, and they've risen not just um, numerically, but they've risen in kind of um, in complexity, in complexity, and then also in in like a percentage or a, a ratio of of the costs that you're having to spend. You know, I think that you know what al also has changed is um, that 
even for neighborhood restaurants, they have to look beyond the neighborhood to get some of their customers frequently um, in order to be successful. And then I think going further back, of course, the interesting uh, development of small businesses is, you know, 100 years ago is very much family-based, and it was also um, your, you know, the, the kind of... Um, maybe the ethnic group that you're that is in part of your background because that's where all the support came from so for instance in the 1890s when my great-grandfather started Rupert Hardware on on 7th Street that was a family affair right so his wife um, you know his parents they were all part of that uh, his wife's parents uh, who would have been my great-great-grandfather they owned a shoe store there on 7th Street that was the German neighborhood at the time uh, my family all went to St. Mary's Catholic Church on 5th Street. They, um, even my grandfather, when he was at school in the early part of the 20th century, they, you know, part of the school was, was in German. And it was very much a, a kind of a, this narrow community focused that was based on your family, you know, your religion, your you know where you where you might have come from in the past, and and those folks bound bound together and and supported each other, and that still exists. It's um, you know, lots of people still have that same sort of family and group connection and support. At the same time, not everyone has access to that, and so you know what what business owners need to do is find where they can get that support, because we all need support in order to be successful. feels like uh, the, the regulatory atmosphere for businesses has gotten uh, more complex over the last few decades. It's definitely more complex. It's in, in many ways, it's easier. It's um, the DCRA here in, in Washington, and I think in other places as well, they have been able to streamline the processes. They've been able to put a lot of things online. Um, it used to be that you would, you know, and it's still it's still the case, but it used to be for everything you would go down to DCRA. Um, when I started, it was on uh, G Street, I think, down at 6th and G um, in, in Chinatown. And you would, you know, you would go from desk to desk to get, right, get your things right, accomplished. Right. Um, now you can do a lot of that online. What what the efficiencies that have helped in that regard have have also helped in the regard of enforcement and so now you're you it's much more important that you follow the rules whereas you know 30 or 40 years ago there were some because of lack of efficiency there were some rules that um, you didn't necessarily have to follow completely if that makes sense it, there, there wasn't uh, strict enforcement right so right. it's 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 you know in many ways it's much stricter now yeah. because they're better at it <laughs> uh, and that's and that's good you know it's good for our safety and everything like that but you know it it, it makes it it does make it more expensive for instance so yeah yeah i and it, it's it's so interesting um uh, when when we first started as a Main Street program and and we we wanted to start helping businesses uh, with grants for facade improvement or, or store you know, you know, whatever whatever we're going to give give them a grant for one of the things that 
you know, we were required to do uh, as part of our application process was to you know get copies of their certificates of good standing and their certificate of occupancy and and all that you know to make sure that they're legit and since we're you know giving them grants of taxpayer dollars yeah. um, to make sure that they were also you know being good citizens that's right and, and, yeah. and participating in the in the taxation system uh, and you know, we we ran across a, a a good a good chunk of longtime businesses that you know to to your point of you know lack of enforcement um, you know they they were a little bit behind the curve yeah. on mm-hmm. on being up to date on their licensing and registration um, the the area had, had obviously faced some tough economic times and in in the 80s and then again 2008 and you know a lot of businesses had gotten in not a lot but several businesses uh, in our neighborhood had, had gotten into the um to the bind of well do we pay our taxes or do we pay the utilities to keep the lights on so right. we can still make that's right make yeah. the donuts as it were um and uh, so one of our first steps for many of those businesses was you know having them tell tell us well i'm, I'm sorry i can't i can't give you that so i guess i won't be getting a grant from you so you know we spent up first couple of our our years um helping businesses get get going get all their paperwork up to date right and right, right right and um i think i think you know in many cases particularly for some of, of the legacy businesses that had been around for you know 20 30 years m- maybe regulations had changed and they hadn't literally they literally had not gotten the memo on that and so that they just didn't even know that they didn't know yep. um so uh, i do give dcra um uh, credit for for streamlining services and and also particularly in the last couple of years of, of doing a better get job of communicating yes. about mm-hmm. all those changes yeah. um okay soapbox i'm off of it <laughs> um <laughs> so so what i would say I'll, I'll add to that which is this it's this interesting conundrum which is because of those um, extra costs, and this kind of build on what I was saying earlier, because of those extra costs that are required to keep your business up to date and legal, those costs have to be passed on to the customer. And so that uh, some of those legacy businesses that might have been able to sell a cup of coffee for 50 cents, they're not going to be able to do that anymore. It, you know the the price has to rise on that, and that's a you know that's a a challenge then on the customer uh, viewpoint because they are used to maybe buying a cup of coffee for fifty cents, and all of a sudden it because of these outside um, requirements, which are important to our as I said our health and safety and well running um, city, those things change, and that really affects. Um, you know, affects your customer base. Sure. And it's not just about regula- regulatory uh, financial pressure. It's also about, um, you know, property values for commercial property keep going up. That's right. And, mm-hmm. and so that means... Yeah, that means property rent taxes and... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is one of the, the biggest pressures that... Both long-time and and new entrepreneurs are are facing in the DC market. Beyond the, are we making this um, attractive enough 
um, to compete against Amazon? Yeah, I think that um, I think that competition, you know, beyond Amazon, but but competition is really a challenge because there are literally hundreds and hundreds of of um, people who are doing good work out there and. Um, in order for us to survive, we need to convince our customer to come into our door as opposed to our competitor's door. So I think that's a big issue. I think that the complexity of um, I think the complexity of running a business is a challenge. I think that um, in order to be successful, you need to be dedicating a significant amount of your time and energy to the success of of your business and that's hard to do year in and year out you know it's it's you know that's why a lot of businesses do well for a few years because they're running uh partly on this burst of sheer energy and dedication that's uh ha- that proves not to be sustainable yeah adrenaline yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so you are are seemingly tireless in in your interests and uh diverse uh, activities um, from from all of your entrepreneurial uh, uh, I'm completely dead on my words <laughs> this morning uh, all of your activities activities uh, including um, consulting um, right. and and giving freely of your time to do things like come on this radio show. Uh, but also to speak on panels for, for the business community. Uh, what's, what are you excited about as far as next steps for you? Well, before I, I say that, I, I will say that what, you know, there are many reasons that I, that I go on panels and I talk to people, and um, one of the biggest reasons is that I want Washington, my hometown, to be a great city. And I believe in order for us to be a great city, we need to have uh, many, many independent businesses. And that's a real challenge for people to operate and open those businesses. And so I've been really lucky um, in, in my career. And so that's why whenever, and thank you for the invitation to join today, um, that's why any time anyone invites me to do something or wants to meet for a cup of coffee, I'm, you know, I try to, say, try to say yes to those things. For me, I think I'm moving slightly, transitioning a little bit in in my career, and I'm trying to move out of operating businesses and do more of connecting with um, people who are interested in doing their own thing. And so I think that consulting, so I'm doing a little bit of consulting. I'd like to do more of that. Um, I'm working on a, an artist residency program uh, project in uh, the Fairlawn neighborhood of Southeast, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm working with a developer over there. Um, I'm also have been working with the DC Public Library on some ideas for that they that they have that that I'd like to try and help them make them uh, come to fruition in in regards to artist studios and support for artists. Um, and I think that, you know, what I'd really like to do is um, try to make connections with developers because I think that um, frequently developers have a set of understandings and expectations about the building that they're building. And I think that 
I could provide some independent thought for them and some encouragement that they don't necessarily have to rent to a national tenant in order to be in order to have a successful tenant in their space. So I've I've spent a, a fair bit of time over the last year talking to developers, trying to refine that argument that I make with them and to see if I can't have an effect there in some way. I cannot tell you how happy I am to hear that. Um, we we uh, we love the idea of, of some of the big new developments coming in around us being home to um, primarily locally owned businesses. I, th- I think that that is the way to go. Um, and I'm so happy to hear that, that you're going to be expending even more of your energy on making that happen. Yeah, I'd say that this on top of that, the, you know, the argument is that if we have developments that just put in the same old, same old, then our neighborhoods become the same old, same old, and then there's no reason to live in this neighborhood versus that neighborhood. Right. You know, what I'm looking to do is, is, to, is to know where I am, is to have that sense of place, have that sense of community. And, you know, we do that through a lot of ways. We do that through our school. If our, you know, if our children go to school, we do that at the libraries. We do that, you know, if we go to a church or synagogue or, or mosque. And then, you know, but we really do that in our everyday shopping. So that's, I think, critical to just energy and, and dynamism in a, in a city. I, I mean, preaching to the choir here, uh, the the concept of getting out of any one of three or four metro stations, just in the D.C. area alone, coming up out of the station and seeing the same half dozen national chains yeah. greet you, uh, making you stop and think, wait, did I get off at the right spot? Right. You know, <laughs> saying, uh, I, I totally Where did that subway come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so totally agree with that uh, about making it unique and I, I think that goes back to you know um, getting off of any exit on the interstate and yeah, exactly. seeing, seeing the exact same places. hotels and restaurants yeah. and everything yeah um, because it is a it is a competition you know there's whether we like this or not um, cities are competing with each other and um, you know we need, I believe, that we need to do our best to move Washington forward in a way that we want to see it moved forward. I think that we have a lot of control, or I think we should have a lot of control, and I think we need to exert our um, will on the direction of of our city. Um, but we also need to um, find ways to support that city because again, when people are thinking about, you know, when they're thinking about graduating from, when they're graduating from college in Nebraska, many of them are thinking about where do they want to move. And so, you know, my focus and what I do is to make Washington a better place for the Washingtonians and the people who live in the area. But it's also important that we continue to be attractive to people who are moving here from from other places because cities. Cities are where it's at, right? And so that's that's where um, we're going to continue to see growth in the next however many years. Dynamic, interesting cities. Yes. Yes. Uh, could not agree with you more. And um, I w- would like to um, 
take this opportunity to get you on record to agree to come back to future visits with us. Sure thing. Uh, talk about a lot of these subjects more. I know uh, time is a little tight for everybody today. Um, so we'll we'll wrap up now, but I, I, I feel like we've got a lot more conversation to have. On yeah, some of these I'd be happy to, happy to return as always. Great, great. Thank you so much, Paul. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, so that is going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you to Paul Rupert for joining us. And um, we're going to we're going to talk to you again soon, uh, I hope, and often. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.